I love what I do. Yes, there are days that are really hard and there are days that I'm like, oh my gosh, but at the end of the day, I love my job. I love the struggles. I love the highs, the lows. It brings me such joy. So I would say regardless of where you are, think about why you want to do it. Well, hello there. It's Dr. Nicoletta with the Millennial Doc Podcast. I'm a physician, dermatologist, lifestyle entrepreneur, mama in medicine, and confidence success strategist. Each week, I'll bring you inspiring guests, lifestyle, relationship, and business tips to help you consistently take action, act confident, and live an abundant life. Step out with confidence and get ready. Hey everyone, welcome back to another inspiring episode and interview of the Millennial Doc Podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with Jessica Backus, founder of Kenzie's Causes, a successful nonprofit organization working to support underprivileged children and their families. Get ready to learn how this incredible woman turned her pain into a meaningful purpose in life. She discusses how she was able to turn a difficult life situation into impacting many children's lives giving back to her community. I think you are going to love to hear how you can take any negative circumstance and turn it into a positive. I hope this encourages you all to take action and do the same in your communities. Hey everyone, welcome back to another incredible episode of the Millennial Doc Podcast. And today we're with Jessica Backus, founder of her nonprofit organization, Kenzie's Causes. I am so excited to have you today on our show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great and I'm so excited to be here and to just talk about what's going on and share with your listeners. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. So before we get deep diving into your story, how about we start with a few rapid fire questions to get to know you a little more? Sure. Awesome. All right. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Casper, Wyoming. And where are you currently? I live in Denver, Colorado, and I've lived here for almost 21 years. That's amazing. Do you do any like skiing, snowboarding, any outdoor sports like that? Uh, we are a family that skis and snowboards. I wish I could snowboard, but I'm the skier. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. I know. I, I think skiing I heard is easier than snowboarding. <laughs> yes, for me. Absolutely. Uh, favorite quote? Be the change you wish to see in the world. What is one of your superpowers? Oh, goodness. I would say... Gosh, I don't know. I love, I have a big heart. So I have a lot of love. I think that that's my superpower is the ability to love unconditionally. Amazing. What is one of your favorite books? I am an avid reader. So I read a ton. Gosh. Hmm. Or I don't what's know. your last book you read? So I'm reading right now, Girl Stop Apologizing. And I really love it. Yes. I heard about that one. Awesome. Yes. Okay. And then who is someone that has changed your life? So I would definitely say that my mom is the person that I think of when I think of those types of things. She was a single mother raising my brother and I. My father died when I was 18 months old and my mom really shaped who I am today and continues to be a huge part of my life. So I would say my mom. That's wonderful. What is one of your all-time favorite accomplishments so far? 
I would say one of my favorite accomplishments is being a teacher. I used to be a teacher and I have very fond memories of teaching and some really great students that I still keep in touch with. Awesome. What grades did you teach? I taught high school English. So ninth through 12th grade, I taught at one high school called Abraham Lincoln High School for two years. And then I taught at another high school for a year. Yay. (laughs) What is something you do every day to build your confidence? I work out almost every day. I can't quite fit in seven days. My body needs rest, but I love to exercise. Amazing. What do you do? Where do you go now? So usually four to five days a week, I do Orange Theory Fitness. So it's a combination of weights and rowing and running led by some amazing coaches here. And then I usually fit in one day of Soul Cycle. Awesome. Yeah. So to my listeners, can you say what kind of experience if they haven't been to Soul Cycle? How awesome is it? <laughs> Oh my gosh, it is so amazing. I just really love being in the room and really focusing on my ride and the energy of the room and kind of leaving everything else outside. I was lucky enough to be in Vegas recently and they opened a soul cycle in the wind and they even kind of have like the clubby strobe lights and it was a really cool ride. So if there's a pop-up or a soul cycle near you, I encourage you to go check it out. Awesome. And lastly, what are you really grateful for today? I would definitely say that I am really grateful for my three living children, my angel baby, and my husband. Awesome. Those were great to get to know you. So how about we, you know, really start with like your backstory and how you were able to develop one of uh, an amazing organization that you did. Maybe tell me the timeline of it, how it started. Just go into your backstory. Sure. So kind of my history, like I said, is I was a teacher. I taught for the public schools in Denver for three years. And then my daughter was born and she's 14. And I really took a look at my life and was like, oh my gosh, I'm doing a lot of grading at home. And I wanted to be able to spend that time with my daughter on nights and weekends. So I took a sabbatical to go back to graduate school to become a teacher librarian to merge my love of teaching with my love of reading and doing that. And when I was in graduate school, I was pregnant with my daughter, And when I was six months pregnant, she was stillborn. And it was life changing for me, for my husband, for everyone in our lives. And after that, I did finish graduate school, but I wasn't sure I wanted to teach full time anymore. And I wasn't sure if I would go back to teaching at all. So I really took some time. I did some subbing. And the first Christmas in 2007, after we had lost Kinsey, I was really struggling to get through the holidays. And knowing that our family had planned to have two girls that Christmas. And since I didn't have both of my girls, I decided to collect new dolls and donate them back to low-income kids in our community. And it was really rewarding. It really helped me heal. I cried tears of joy instead of tears of sorrow for the first time in almost a year. And then I really thought that I was kind of like one and done. I called it Dolls for Daughters. And 13 months after I lost Kinsey, my oldest son Camden was born in 2008. And we were kind of in a groove figuring out what we were going to do. Christmas was approaching again. um, And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to give away dolls. It was so rewarding. Let's do it again. And we did it again. And... You know, year one, it was about 100, 150. Year two, it was about 500 dolls. And I just kind of decided that I knew that that's what I was supposed to do, that I could serve low-income kids, which is what I did when I was teaching. I could honor my daughter and I could spend time with my living children. And so that's really how my organization became a nonprofit. That's amazing. So it started in what year was it? 2008? 
So we started doing it in 2007 and we did it just as a community of people giving for two years. And then in 2009 is when we became a nonprofit. So we're actually celebrating 10 years this year. And it is just amazing how far we have come in 10 years, the amount of kids we can impact, the growth of our programming. And now we're a staff of two up until a year ago in January, I was the only staff. So it's really amazing volunteers and a very small staff. Well, congratulations. 10 year anniversary, you you know, you know, you said two right now on the staff. I mean, that's huge. And Mm -hmm. how many do you have a total of sort of how many lives impacted or dolls distributed or any of that? Since our very first kind of giveaway, we have evolved. Um, So when we became a nonprofit, our toy shop became Dolls for Daughters and Toys for Boys, a very big play on words. We started giving away every new toy imaginable that we could have like in our shop, similar to a Target or Walmart, just for free. And if we include the two years that we weren't a nonprofit going through now, we have impacted over 61,000 kids in Colorado. Wow, man, I love that, wow. 61,000. That's, that's just insane. And you never even thought, I mean, you must have, when you started, you didn't know it was going to turn into that, right? But you really took that heart of service and just did what you could to bless others, right? Absolutely. You know, when I came up with the concept, it was really a way for me to heal, but yet serve at the same time. And 10 years ago, we had one toy shop in the metro area for Denver. And last year, we ran six toy shops in the state of Colorado. So we're not only impacting kids in the community that our headquarters is, but we're actually impacting kids in other communities that would go without gifts during the holidays. So the growth has been really amazing and yet surprising. And we also know there are other communities that would love our programming to come there. So our toy shop is by far the biggest program that we run. And then we run a backpack program that's very similar. Families can come and get backpacks full of new school supplies. And that program is really in year four and a half, five-ish. But this will be the third year that we run a giveaway program on a big scale to serve low-income families. And we've actually expanded into one other community. So that's exciting. That is really exciting. Are you planning and expanding states? You know, every once in a while I think about that, but I know how much work it is. So right now we just don't really have the funding to pay additional staff. And that's what it takes. It really takes somebody who understands the dedication. You know, I was a full-time volunteer running the organization for probably the first five, six years, but this was my job. I just wasn't being paid. So somebody would really be willing to take it on and run it the way that I want things handled and the way that we protect our family's honor and dignity when they're being served by us. And then obviously we would have to have the funding to cover their salary. Yeah, definitely. So now that we're talking actually about that, and it goes into my next question, what are the obstacles that you encounter as you grow a nonprofit organization? I would say now it's really funding. For us, we have an amazing core group of volunteers. Our toy shop program just in the metro area staffs over 500 volunteers in two days. And then when we go into our other communities, there's anywhere from 20 to 40 to 75 volunteers in some of those. So we are fortunate that we have volunteers. We have a great volunteer base, but it really comes down to funding. And that's not just individual funding, which we are primarily funded by individuals and small businesses. But it's also grant funding. And the grant world is very, very competitive. And in Colorado, we have a very high number of nonprofits. So for us, it's kind of setting ourselves apart in 
between how we do things and what we do and how we are able to spend our money effectively. We use a lot of wholesale companies. So I use a wholesaler to buy two to three times the amount of toys that I could buy at a local store. I see. Okay. Basically that helps when you do it that way, right? Absolutely. I can make my money go farther. We also do fundraising yeah. events. So we have a bowl-a-thon that we do every March, which is really fun. Families come out and bowl. And then we have a golf tournament in June and an auction in June. And those two are our biggest fundraisers. So people pay to golf and then we have some prizes and things like that. And then our auction, we have amazing auction items where people can bid on them. And then we do a big push for individual donors leading up to August when we give away backpacks and then leading up to Christmas. Wow. So it all started initially with Christmas and then now you have all these other seasons of gifts, right? Yes. So it really started with just Christmas and the idea of giving back during the holidays. And then we have a much smaller program that is very near and dear to my heart. It's named after, obviously the whole organization is named after my daughter, Kinsey, but there's a program called Kinsey's Kids. And we work with families individually um, monthly and yearly. And the very first family we worked with 10 years ago, I still keep in touch. So for a year, we provide them with monetary assistance. So if they want to put their kid in an activity like softball or dance or basketball, we cover the cost for those kids to participate in that extracurricular activity. And then we pay sometimes school fees. If they are in high school and have school fees, we buy new clothing. And every year without fail, we are buying winter jackets, hats, gloves, boots, because we live in Colorado. And then sometimes it's buying simple things like beds and mattresses and bedding for our families that come out of a domestic violence shelter. So for my listeners, like, what are your best tips for truly going after, you know, if all my listeners, a lot of them are healthcare millennials, but just what are your tips for truly going after what you are passionate about in life? If it might be something outside of your current career or, you know, to really go for it, any, you know, best tips to kind of to get out there and do something that's on your heart. I would definitely think about why are you doing it? That's the biggest thing. I know people talk about that a lot, but like, why? Like if you love working with kids and that's your passion, maybe you want to, you know, serve children in a medical way in a foreign country once a year, or you want to serve low-income kids or something. Think about why you want to do it. Because if you don't love what you're doing over time, it will just become something you're doing. Whereas I love what I do. Yes, there are days that are really hard and there are days that I'm like, oh my gosh. But at the end of the day, I love my job. I love the struggles. I love the highs, the lows. It brings me such joy. So I would say regardless of where you are, think about why you want to do it. And if when you talk about it, your soul and you light up about it, then go for it. Figure out, you know, maybe you have to like do your day job and then do your passion on the side until your passion can come become your day job. Or maybe you love your day job, but you want to do something else. Maybe you want to write a book or maybe you want to walk dogs in your free time, whatever it is. I really believe if you want it enough and you're passionate about enough, you will make it happen. Totally. And I love that about being like multi, you know, not multi-personality, but where you're just multi-dimensional, where you don't have to just stick to. And if you love your day job, that's totally awesome. But if you also have other passions that you love, like don't be afraid to go for it. And don't be afraid of judgment that may come with it because you are truly the one, like you are going to be happy and think about that, right? Absolutely. And there will come judgment. I mean, I don't know how many times over the last 10 years I've had 
had people question why I do things, how I do things, if it's the right thing to do. And in the beginning, believe me, I let that get under my skin. I was devastated if somebody denied a grant, like all of those things. And the longer I kept doing this and the more success I had, I realized that I was doing something right. And it didn't matter that people questioned me or it didn't matter that somebody didn't fund me because down the road, somebody else was going to fund me. And I believed enough in myself and the people around me believed that like my core group of people believed enough in me that here I am. I mean, we got a statewide sponsor from Ford Motor Company this year which was amazing. And I, let me tell you, I was terrified to ask, but I still made the ask and they said, yes. So I think you also have to really be willing not to sacrifice your beliefs for somebody else. And that may also mean that people that you believed were your friends and were always going to be there may not be there when you reach that next level or you reach that next goal, because they may not align with your passion or align with your beliefs at that point. And that's okay. Absolutely love everything that you just said for the last two minutes. You know, what came to my mind also was like people pleasing. And I think that we sometimes have to really just get past that because you're not truly happy if you're just always, you know, people pleasing others and not really doing what's going to make you happy, right? Absolutely. I think that many of us think that we have to please everyone else, like especially women. I at least know for me that I have to always please people. And that's kind of what I do. And that gives me pause. Like, you know, I used to worry more about pleasing other people than pleasing myself. And once I stopped doing that, I'm much happier and those around me are much happier and I'm way more successful. Exactly. I hope this helps all my listeners because I know we go through this in medicine and everything. And I just think that we always have to try to put ourselves first. Don't always think, you know, how someone else is going to kind of view you, judge you, because at the end of the day, you're going to have people think of you different ways and you really have to do what makes you happy. So I couldn't uh, agree more. Awesome. So do you believe then that you could always turn something uh, negative into something positive in life? I do. When I was younger, I always believed that my greatest tragedy was not having a father. My father committed suicide when I was 18 months old. And even those words saying now I'm 42 are really hard to say, like really hard to still come to terms with living a life without somebody that I never knew that is half of who I am. And then when my daughter died, you know, I was depressed for a long time. I still grieve her, but I look at the beauty that she has created. And I do believe that if you're willing to find something beautiful from a tragedy, you absolutely can. Nobody says you have to start a nonprofit or nobody says you have to change the world, but your beauty maybe is something smaller. Maybe it's doing a dedication or honoring whatever your sorrow is by making a donation to a charity or donating your time or something like that. But I do believe from my personal experiences that you can find beauty from tragedy. Wonderfully, beautifully said. What legacy do you want to leave for your, you know, for your kids? I know you said you have three kids, two, no, three. Three living. I have three Three. living kiddos. Yeah. 
I would say a couple things. One, follow your dreams. I always had a dream of working with low-income kids, and I'm still doing that today. My kids are super amazing, and they are like, Mom, you know, what if I don't want to work for the nonprofit when I'm older? I'm like, that's great. You don't have to. So I would say, you know, definitely follow your passion and be true to your word. I think those are two really important things. I try to even teach my kids now. If you say you're going to do something, you need to do it. And that you're also that your actions speak louder than words. I feel like people see my actions with building this organization and giving back to low-income people that they know that I'm really doing what I say I'm going to do. Yes. And that's so important. Like, you know, when you say you want to do something, you know, that you actually follow through and do it because, you know, if that's something on your heart, you will be happy if you follow through, right? Yes, mm -hmm, absolutely. And tell me any of your daily rituals, affirmations or beliefs that, you know, we didn't really discuss, but something that really helps you for your, you know, just daily self-confidence. So I would say one of the things that I do is definitely time block and I make that time in my schedule for me, which is usually working out. Like I said earlier, that's a priority for me. So I definitely make sure that I put that time in for myself. And then I'm definitely a creature of habit. I really like to create a, my calendar for the week, like knowing what's coming up for the week, kind of having those things laid out. And then I'm a to-do list. So I write it down and cross it off. Yeah, totally. So um, do you kind of uh, on the weekend, almost write down, you know, maybe workouts, a date with your husband or that type of thing in your actual yep. calendar, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. I schedule my workouts. And then I kind of build around that quite a bit because my workouts are so important to my sanity, I feel like and me being a better mom and a better wife. So I build my workouts in and then I kind of build my schedule around that. Date nights are harder with um, three very active kiddos, but you know, sometimes it's just building in downtime for our family as well after kind of a, a week on the go. Totally, totally. I mean, I think one of my mentors said, just take, what I do is I actually take different color highlighters. So like green is money, business, yellow is uh, medicine or anything I'm doing in dermatology. Pink is self-care. So I, you know, like gym, whatever it is, yeah. haircut, anything like that. I think pink is also family. I can't remember, but it's also like where I put in time with my husband. And, you know, people may think that that's like just too much, but really like if you look at your calendar and if it's like 90% of one color, that means that you're not, you know, it's not in balance, right? So right. it's so important to lay it out. And I'm a firm believer in, you know, actually seeing that in the you know beginning of the week. Or else, you know, you're always going to say, I didn't have time. Well, you didn't have time because you didn't actually make it a habit and actually like put it down, you know, write it down and stay committed to it. Right. Oh, a hundred percent. I have, um, every one of my kids has a color. I have a color for work. I have a color for myself. I have a color for my husband. So yes, I look at that visually and I can see where my time is or where my work time is. And I really try to be more conscientious of my personal time or my time with my family. I used to work whenever, all the time, sit in my office when I got home at night. And I realized that that was very unhealthy for myself and for my family. So I tried to be very protective of my nights and weekends, except for once or twice a month, we have events for work, mostly on the weekends. But my nights, I try to be very protective of that time for my family. 
Totally, totally. And I think for my listeners, you know, in healthcare, it's just with call and with crazy hours, you know, I think it's even so important just because like, you don't want to come home and whether it be sit on the couch for like two, three hours watching TV and not really spending time with your loved one or, you know, because time just passes. And if you don't really kind of really be intentional about what you want to do to like, you know, whether it be create more income or, you know, establish a business or just, you know, work on your relationship, nothing will be worked on if you're not intentional about it. And, you know, so. Yeah, I agree. Especially for people in medicine, I see it with friends that we have. So I definitely say protect your time. Protect it. Yep. You can say no. No is okay to say, right? <laughs> no Absolutely. is your friend. <laughs> Okay. And then one of my other last questions, since I am a dermatologist, so I just wanted to ask you, you know, what do you have a favorite evening skincare regimen or just any thoughts you have to say? Yes. So I've always had sensitive dry skin. I think every child, I assume experiences teenage acne. I think we all go through that funky stage, but as an adult, I'm very particular about the products that I use. And for probably the last 10 years, I've used um, these products called Sunita Skincare. They're based in Colorado. And so I use their cleanser every day. I'm not as good about washing my face at night as I should be. <laughs> but so I wash my face and then they have some eye cream and then an oil and then another cream that I put on top of it. And then I always use sunscreen every single day. I think that's super important for people. I wear it under my makeup or if I'm not wearing makeup, I always have sunscreen on and then at night I at least take off my eye makeup, but I'm not necessarily the best about taking off the rest, but that's my routine. Awesome. Well, Hey, at least you admit it, but the sunscreen is good and just you yes. know, work, work <laughs> on going to bed on your pillow with a, you know, completely clean face. <laughs> yes. Yes. And yeah. I always go to the dermatologist once a year. I think that's super important for people. And I take my children. That's awesome. That's good. That's good. All right. So I'm so excited that we were able to talk and that you were able to be in the show today. Do you have any final words for my millennial doc listeners? Where can they find you and possibly learn more about you? And what are you really excited about right now to share? Sure. Um, so if they're interested in learning more about our organization, it's called Kenzie's Causes. And you can find us at kenziescauses.org. It's K-E-N-Z-I, no E. We're just really looking forward to sending some of our kids to camp this summer for the first time. And we've launched a capital campaign. So we're trying to get into our own property so we can be more impactful. But the one thing that I want to leave your listeners with is to get involved in their community. It's so important for everybody to give. And maybe you don't have money right now to give if you're in medical school or you have loans or whatever that may be, but we all have time once a month to give back to a charity, whether it's walking dogs or volunteering at a food bank or someplace in your community, there has to be something that speaks to all of us. And I think as a community and as a country, we owe it to not only ourselves, but our community and our country to give back. That's amazing. And that's exactly why I'm creating, you know, the millennial doc community, because I really just, you know, feel like some, some of us in medicine, it's so hard and you, you feel like you're alone at many times. And so I'm really like, you know, thriving to create this community of, you know, thriving, not just surviving and where we, we could really lean on each other and, you know, give each other ideas for ways to, if it's not monetary, but, you know, volunteer, like you were saying, so. 
Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank all you. Right. So it's truly, really inspirational to see all the families that your organization has helped. It's really beautiful. And I hope that all my listeners really gain something profoundly just touching today. So if you guys found any value in today's episode, take a screenshot and tag both of us in this podcast episode and let us know what you love. Let us know what you learned. Thank you, everyone. And thank you, Jessica. Absolutely. Have a great day. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Millennial Doc Podcast. I am so thankful for your support and hope you receive inspiration today to discover a better you, better health, and your best life. It would mean the world to me if you can take a second to share this episode with someone you think would love it. For free resources and inspiration, head over to drnicoletta.com and Make sure to follow Millennial Doc Podcast on Spotify and subscribe on iTunes. And it would mean so much to me if you left a five-star review of the show. As always, step out with confidence and rock your life.